I titled this lesson, Love One Another, initially, but I changed the title to God's Love Doesn't Use Rocks. <laughs> and I hope uh, that little bit of change uh, helps us look at this passage in a little bit different way. The response to preaching God's word is varied, depending on the listener. One response that comes up is an appreciation for honest teaching of God's truth. Now, nobody should be excited about being demoralized without hope. In fact, many are grateful to be reminded about a need for repentance. They desire to move more in direction of God in their life. Why? Because they love God and they want to truly follow him. Now the world and worldliness loves to use rocks. If something is not going their way, they throw rocks. If something is, is not under their control, they throw rocks. If something doesn't make them feel comfortable, they pound with rocks. And that's the lesson title. God doesn't use, God's love doesn't use rocks. The three points are love works wonders, money and mouth, Jesus and action. So the first point is love works wonders. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Cain was of the evil one. I dare say being of the evil one would not be a great statement on your tombstone. But this is how Cain is known in Scripture. He killed his own brother, and true repentance did not emerge after the fact. Cain was completely influenced by the ways of the evil one, according to Genesis chapter 4. The same evil one who deceived Eve with half-truths. Though no one can just blame the evil one for personal behavior, like Adam and Eve, all make a choice. But Cain had a set walk in his life. And this walk was not toward God. This walk led to the killing of his brother Abel. John says, we, talking about Christians, should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother, 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. How 
can Christians be of the evil one? This is a bothersome question, I think, for anyone who's thinking about that. I thought we moved, and the context says we moved from death into life when we became a Christian. Well, evidently, even a Christian must choose to continue on the right path. Paul said this in Romans 6, 1 through 2, Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He is not saying we can't sin, but we shouldn't pursue it. Evil struggle against righteousness. Evidently, Cain struggled. He struggled with wanting things done his way. He struggled with God's direction. He struggled in his heart. John chapter 8, verse 34 says, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So Cain decided not to rule over his sin or the evil one influencing his heart. Genesis 4, 7. I think Cain wanted to punish God. Now, no one can take on God. I mean, he is God, right? He is supreme. He is powerful. He's... But we can attempt to hurt God by ignoring his ways in our lives. By teaching others to disregard God's truth with half-truths. I can imagine Cain tried to influence Abel to persuade him against God, but Abel was firm in his decision to follow the path that God had set. I cannot follow you, brother. I cannot go down that path you want me to go down. And this is evil's struggle against righteousness. It uses rocks. It uses rocks. We should be like Abel. Now, I know, and you know, Abel was not sinless. I mean, there's only one person that carries that declaration. That's Jesus Christ himself. So Abel was not sinless. But Abel did have a set path. And that path was listening to God and, and following him. But it offended his brother. But Abel was going to go God's way, not Cain's way. There are ways brethren can influence each other. Some of it may be good. In fact, that's what we want, right? Learn to love, brother, sister. Learn to forgive those who hurt you. Learn to have patience. Coach someone. Get in their lives and try to bring it out of them to live life dealing with the fruits of the Spirit. But some brethren develop certain agendas influenced by the world. 
I'm not trying to point fingers. I'm taking us back to the text. What is John dealing with? Brethren, or so they seemed, who are teaching things that are not true about Jesus Christ himself. As Justin said, along with his songs, that he was, in fact, human, was part of it. And a whole mess came up after that because they tried to change the basic teachings of who Jesus Christ is. They want you to follow their ways. And if you don't, they may not know how to throw rocks, but they're going to learn to. But Abel continued to look toward God and his reward through Christ. We know what? Is great. Is great. The second point, money and mouth. We know that Jesus gave, right? 1 John chapter 3, 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children. Now that, teen, that term of endearment, right? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Jesus gave what is practical, what is concrete, what is hands-on. Jesus' death on the cross for our sins was practical. It wasn't a flowery speech. It wasn't good luck in your walk. It was, you need help. Here it is. I died for you. I love you. It was the ultimate of practical. So, we can't die for someone else's soul. That's not in our wheelhouse, is it? That is impossible, but we can be practical with our love. We can die to self and show others the way of Christ. That's practical. We can show our love in concrete ways. Love that is hands-on with true effort. We can offer food for those in need. Read scripture with them. Encourage them. Lead them towards truth instead of away from it. We can pay for their heat if they have no means. We can do for them in ways that shows God's involvement. And those ways handled with love are not examples of rock throwing. Uh, the Hooker Congregation, Hooker Church of Christ in Hooker, Oklahoma, the preacher Jordan put this in his last newsletter. And it's called The Critical and Sensorious Spirit. A cantankerous old man, 
with a critical spirit, went to a restaurant with his wife. He grumbled because his seat, they seated him where there was a draft, and he had a phobia about that. And the service was slow. The water was tepid. The salad was limp. The meat was overcooked. The rolls were stodgy. For a minute, he thought he even found a hair in his chocolate mousse. When the head waiter came over and apologized, he said to the wife, I can tell that your husband is a little upset. Was anything not to your liking? No, she said. He was delighted. He found something wrong with everything. Oh. There are some people who begin to focus on that which is wrong all of the time. And they delight in finding faults. Not content to merely observe the actual problem that exists, they exaggerate and generalize. They magnify molehills and look for every silver linings cloud. They become obsessed. They're like real-life versions of people on the Internet who have nothing better to do than to watch their li- uh, in their lives than to watch feature-length movies frame by frame, hoping to find a mistake in the cut and win imaginary Internet points for pointing out problems. They are negative and destructive toward people. They assume the worst motives for others. They are ungenerous toward mistakes. We're talking about people who not only expect to find mistakes, but deep down sort of get a thrill about it. And so they hope to find faults to call out. This is an example of a wrecking crew because God's love doesn't use rocks. God wants us to use deeds and truth. What truth? My truth? My determination? If you believe that, then that will make it hard for people to flourish in Christ. What deed? I must fix everybody with what I believe. I must treat people with distrust and talk about them in unproductive ways. I must cause more conflict, to point out Justin's class this morning, like is shown in Acts chapter 15 and 14 for that matter. With the Christian group who pushed Gentile Christian circumcision, among other things, what they believed right, they used rocks and became destructive. The third point, Jesus and action. Verses 19 through 24. By this we know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. And do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. You're not perfect. 
And you know I'm not perfect. If anything, I'm pretty good at sharing that idea. But there is a difference in learning to grow in Christ and following his, his commandments and acting like Cain against his brother. Cain used rocks when he didn't get his way. He pouted. He got upset. It's not going my way. But we walk in Christ. Have you ever been bothered by your past? I have. Guess what? Our personal conscience might afflict us, but God's forgiveness is greater than our personal conscience. That passage is not saying if I convince myself that I've done no wrong, then I have a good conscience and I must be right with God. That's not what it's saying. It's saying we've all done wrong. Your conscience is going to prick you sometimes. But when you really think about it, you know what? Christ's blood has covered my sins. Why do I need to wallow in the mire of pity and guilt? Except to be reminded that I'm a human being and I still need the love of Christ to cover my sins. I imagine Abel had a conscience. He was not sinless. He needed Christ's blood to cover his sins like all people do, even if he didn't understand that aspect of our covenant. He knew what happened to his parents, who were, I am sure, continually afflicted by that. So our hearts can condemn us. That does not mean our hearts can send us to hell. But they remind us about life. If we are soft toward God's will. I can't do it without you. Thank you for taking care of my sin problem. Now I can go forward with a clear conscience. Not that I haven't done anything. But that I'm saved. God's love through Christ is greater than our hearts. Should we treat others who repent of their wrongs with equal love? Yes. Or do we find fault? Do we look for problems, cause conflicts, and seek to throw rocks? We need to believe in Jesus. The whole letter teaches that it is important to believe in Jesus. Little children, let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3.18 And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded. 1 John 3.23 Believing in Jesus is so much more than a courtesy statement of, I believe in Jesus. Belief is an action word. Jesus' belief in the Father. Do you realize Jesus believed that the Father would raise him from the dead if he died on the cross for our sins? That's belief. That's trust. We should believe in the name of Jesus Christ. 
not insane, his name. The name there means authority. Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is your Savior? Does he have authority over your lives? Are you going to follow his commandments? Or are you just going to spout his name and think that's what it means? If he has authority in our lives, then guess what? We will behave like Abel. If he doesn't have authority in our lives, guess what? We will behave like Cain. Believing has a lot to do with following his commandments, his form of leadership, his form of love, our need to forgive and be forgiven, and our true walk toward a relationship with God through Christ. We need to show our belief, 1 John 3, 23 and 24. And this is a commandment that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in him. And God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Not only should we believe in him, but that belief will also show itself in our love for one another. And love doesn't throw rocks. Rocks of words. Rocks of creating a place of distrust, rocks of lack of love, rocks of worldliness. Commandment keeping, though it is right and godly thing to do, it, does not, it is not our means of salvation. Our means of salvation is our faith in Jesus Christ, his grace that comes from that. Jesus is the means. But those who are saved and have a genuine love for what Christ did will follow the true lifestyle of showing our love to God like Abel did. John brought up the concept of Cain and Abel, right, in text. So I'm not going anywhere different than he is. It is a very positive way of showing our love to God. The reality is that hate for the brethren comes by teaching falsehood. Did half-truths get Adam and Eve anywhere? Boy, it got them kicked out of the garden. Not the half-truths themselves, but listening and following them. Did half-truths assist Israel of old who listened to the wrong prophets? Eventually sent them into Babylon, Assyria, exile. They listened to the wrong prophets. Do half-truths assist in helping people to abide in God's ways? No. They do not. And this will lead us to the next sermon in 1 John chapter 4. It leads us into John's desire for us to know the truth. To test the spirits, to test the teachings, to not be fooled into your own imagination 
but to understand what God's will is. And that is our job, to test the spirits based on the truth. Not what mom and dad said, or tradition, or anything else. On truth. So, in conclusion, God's love doesn't use rocks. I like that better than love one another, although it kind of brings out the same idea. Love works wonders. Ask Abel if loving God works wonders. It does. It is a great, he is a great example for us. Money and mouth. Throwing rocks is worldly. Let's follow the practical advice of Christ's example. And third, Jesus in action. Let's show our belief in Christ's authority. That's his name. That's what it means, his authority, by following his commandments. The lesson is yours. If there's anybody here this morning that has any needs, any prayer requests or otherwise, 